check. Hello. Mm, here we go. I'm feeling silky and smooth. I'm feeling good. And I'm feeling like I'm ready to say this. Welcome to the Industry Talks podcast. I'm your host, Roman Perry. Uh, I just have a quick pre-show announcement to make. We are still running our workshop survey. And if you would fill it out, we would be forever grateful. It is in the liner notes, and everybody that fills out the survey will be entered into a drawing for a $150 gift card from our friends at Guitar Center. On this episode, we have Aubrey Wright. Uh, He's a tour manager who has actually spent most of his life on the road since he was 16 years old. Over the years, he's learned a lot about what it's like to be on the road, what it's like to come home, and how you can maintain a just a good sense of mental well-being um, just while traveling all the time. Um, he's a really great guy, and he has an amazing philosophy on work and a, an amazing philosophy on life. Uh, and also, towards the end of the episode, we have some pretty interesting stories about uh, just some of his scarier experiences traveling uh, across the world that is extremely captivating. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Aubrey Wright. Industry Talks. Uh, so we're recording now. I did a Great. little phantom starting to record so we mm. it's like without noticing so mm. you just kind of ease into it you know ease yeah love Easy. that hi roman hi aubrey how's it going i'm great how are you great welcome to the industry talks podcast i love it i love uh being back yeah because we recorded ones we did record we, one and it i'm glad it actually didn't come out because there was a lot of change since then yeah but it really was a good one. I it think. was. It was. Yeah, it's like I know it's it's one that I. It's like a good for the vault. Yeah, it will cut. You know what? We could probably like cut it to be something like later. Yeah. Like in the archives, just be like, just put it out there. Yeah. But maybe not. It's I, just for us. <laughs> it's our episode. It's nobody else gets to listen to it. Yeah, or we could do like a special release just one day and then take it down. Yeah, like imagine having a podcast, like because people listen to podcasts, obviously we're making one so people (laughs) listen to it, but you know how like people will like make music and then only never show anybody, but they'll listen to it themselves? Yeah. But it's like we do that with a podcast, like we have a podcast that we'd never show anybody, but we listen to it like while we're driving. Well, there's like (laughs) hidden... uh, there's people who have hidden careers, hidden website. Like, right. There's a ton of people who have hidden things. Yeah. Especially on Spotify that they upload, they get it, <laughs> you know, they have their DSPs and everything, but you don't know it's there. Yeah. But they do. And they just send it to their friends. But the off chance that someone actually like discovers it is right. very minimal well it's almost like the deep web kind of thing like it's not searchable. yeah you don't know but there's like a for. like a fun part about it where you're like <laughs> it's out there right yeah there's definitely some weird shit that i know maybe my friends just, have on spotify maybe we could just post it we could like a whole different podcast yeah just <laughs> we can't archives, talk about the name just yeah. call archives yeah and it's just all the fuck-ups yeah i'm cool I, with that I, I have a few episodes my first episode was with nathan 
the first test yeah Yeah, the first test episode was with nathan love that never got released but it was like a hey is this actually possible we should do that or like somehow cut i mean that'd take a lot of work but like cut them together yeah to where it's like it sounds like we're all talking to each other and just make one really great episode like (laughs) kafka-esque you know uh That'd be great. Yeah. Why don't you introduce yourself um, after this introduction? <laughs> <laughs> um, my name is Aubrey Wright. I am. I am me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a very large past of touring. I've been touring since I was 17. I'm 31 now. Okay. Um, but I took the last year off of touring, uh, segued into management, um, and artist development. Uh, yeah, I absolutely love to hate to love this industry. Okay. Um, but yeah, I started in this industry when I was 17 ish. Actually, I would go to kind of do a timeline right i think just so it's it's good so people can know yeah you started here i i I think people look back at like how they know you right so it's like i might know you for the past year so i'm like oh he he's only done this right so to go as far back as i can timeline wise i would say started playing drums when i was 11 okay and then I would work, quote unquote, in a drum shop on the weekends. So you just hang out in a drum shop. Yeah. But back then, it's like when you're 11, everyone is the best. Yeah. So being at the drum shop was like, you know, everyone's the best in the world there. Plus, there wasn't social media. So it's not like I'm like, you know, your icons are either at the shop, right. the best students, the best teachers, or whoever's on the cover of Modern Drummer Magazine. But I would hang out there like every Saturday because I had lessons and I would like sweep and help uh, do everything. Um, go down the line a little while, started working for a motocross company, which was pretty dope because I think I was like 13 or 14, which is really young. Yeah. Because you have really high pitched voice and you're trying to sell things. Right. Um, which you don't realize at the time, but that's why I wouldn't sell anything. But I was like sales. Uh, so 13 and 14, but the cool part about that job, other than learning a lot of just stuff, um, the owners, two of the owners, there's three owners, but two of them, one was Eric Sandin, the drummer of no effects. And mm-hmm. then the other was Jordan Burns, the drummer of, uh, strung out. So they were like two icons of mine. Um, but I went to a show one time and their drummer eric santa's drummer for no effects he wasn't on the kit so i was like who are you and this guy's like i'm the drum tech and so it kind of like that's how it transitioned into you can be with the band but not with the band or in the band so then i went back to the drum shop i kind of like for another year or so like started discovering this whole another side of the production and the backstage and all that um but I was really good with drums. So that's how I got in. Uh, 16, 17, did a transition phase and eventually found myself on a tour, uh, getting paid with 
whatever food was available. I mean, that that's how I had to start. Right. Blindly emailed um, a manager. Back then, it was MySpace. And I hit up so many bands. I mean, obviously, started with, like, the ones I, like, I loved. Right. I'm like, hey, I can work on drums. No clue how to write any, like, a, a proper you know, I didn't know how to do a resume for touring or anything. No, I didn't know how to talk lingo, you know? Um, but one manager was like, yeah, we'll do it. But yeah, we can't pay for you. I'm like, just pay me in food. Right. Just make sure I'm fed. That's it. <laughs> and that's how it started. So yeah. got out, did drum teching for a while, but yeah, started with Halifax, went to play white tees, um, went home for about, six months worked at a deli my grandpa passed and i think that's kind of rule of thumb with the industry uh if there's i think the only time you ever come home right is when someone dies that it's savage but anyone that actually works around the industry it's like the only thing that actually stops you is when someone close to you gets ill or dies like especially in the touring part yeah you're in this like la la land of like just <laughs> you're on a schedule in another world, but you forget life happens back home. Yeah. Um, it's almost like being in the military or something like that. Yeah. But time flies. That's the other thing. You don't realize yeah. you might not talk to your family for like, I remember there was some days when I first started to my mom was like every day, like morning, night, like, are you okay? You all right? You good? And I'm like, yeah, I'm loving this. And it's, it's scary when you first go out on tour, but as I got older, um, yeah, I went from like drum teching, doing like backline stage management. Um, and through that time I was working with like three doors down, um, did Akon, Diddy, um, and just kept going up the ranks with things. But the busier I got and the more involved I got, there was right. periods of time where I think towards the end of my touring of like, my last year um there was times where like i probably wouldn't talk to my mom sometimes for like two weeks okay but to me it felt like a day right because everything kind of goes into another day it doesn't stop so it was like how how you been it's like honey it's been you know like two weeks i'm like no you're full she's like look at your call log i'm like oh well you good I mean, I'm calling you now. Right. We're good. Um, but yeah, so started as a drum tech. And then I, I think for people to know, it's, I didn't just end up as a tour manager. It was honestly the one job going through touring that I never wanted to do. Okay. Because it was the most responsibility. And I never thought I could do it. Right. Because it's so much mental strain your deal you're you're leading everybody you have to be responsible for so many moving parts yeah and it's it's moving parts it's money it's safety i mean safety to me was always a big thing making sure everyone's healthy happy and on top of that you have all their personal problems and not only just the crew you have the artist artist family friends somehow get into your personal so you become everyone's glue right and then at the end of the day you're like who am i like hey does anyone want to talk you yeah. know what i mean uh you grew up around it yeah 
were you taken care of by the touring team? Like, yeah. did, were you around it enough to where like you could understand they're like a parent? I mean, I, how was it for you? Not to like kind yeah. of switch it, but no. I'm curious. <laughs> I've always, I've taken care of the families. Right. So I know how I am to where it's like, they really, you really have to treat, like I've taken care of not only the children yeah. of an artist, but also pregnant wives on top of already having kids. Right. And it's like the wives almost become your wives and not in a, weird way but you have to take care of everybody as if they are your own family yeah which becomes really mentally like it's weird yeah definitely it's it's heartbreaking when like you leave them it's like where's my family yeah but how is it on the other side are you as close to the team like how how was it growing up there was definitely i mean because there was definitely some tour managers that would cycle through like we were we'd have a few tour managers that we work with over the years so it wasn't always the same one for every single tour right but there are people that we did tour with like my dad's um you want to say who your dad is uh people can guess okay people can (laughs) guess i'll just say well look i'll just say to make it not out there is right uh your dad yeah was a famous musician yeah still is who still is phenomenal iconic um but you grew up into that because he's been doing it for so long yeah you're i mean you were born into it right yeah i don't ever remember not touring that's wild yeah it's pretty crazy i was born i like grew up from the time i was in what is it fourth grade through my freshman year of high school i was homeschooled so i had a tutor were you on the tour bus yes so i was like getting like tutored on a tour bus did you have friends or was like or was like the tour crew your friends i mean the tour crew were that's so sick yeah the tour crew (laughs) were like i still had friends like you know a couple of the other band kids would come out here and there um and then i had friends at home that i had made like before i had left you know like before like in third grade basically right um but yeah i a lot of my interactions like especially between the ages of like nine and and 14 9 and 13 mm-hmm. were all like crew members that's so fascinating yeah like th- that to me is because i've been on the other end of it so i think that's the crazy thing i mean not to put this like on you but yeah I think that there is, there's always another side of everything. If you do one thing, it's the other side of it. Yeah. So I think for a lot of people that, um, I don't know how many people that are actually listening to us. Do people actually listen to this podcast? Yeah. I'm just kidding. I was told <laughs> we have a decent <laughs> listener base. Um, yeah. I think for anyone that ever looks at what, I don't want to say roadies. I really hate that because roadies is like old and like sweaty and right. big beards and but like I would like to say that touring personnel, touring professionals, yeah, in a sense, are just as important as anyone else. I mean, it's it's an on road family, but. I think a lot of people see the glory of it and not how much work goes into it. Yeah. And that's where like, I go back to 
after all these years and now to where I am now, and I guess this is kind of, we'll go to where I am now is I spent from when I, I would say, honestly, from when I started drumming and I found my niche of like, oh, these are going to be my friends, right. you know, like I was into like AFI and all these punk rock bands and I went through all the My Chemical Romance and I found myself, I don't know the last time I was ever like free from that from when I jumped into like touring. Right. Because when I jumped in at like 16, 17, I was focused on it. I just started running and it's kind of like this and it's fun, but I hit a point throughout mentors and all that to where I saw what the future was before I got there. Right. And it's how lonely it can be. It's how much strain on your family it can be, the death of people, but you have to commit to an artist so you don't go home. I mean, there's like, I always saw <clears throat> so many negatives that happened after the age of 30. Right. It wasn't like in the 20s. No one really in their 20s was like, because that's when you get your stripes, quote unquote. Yeah. Like, so I always looked at like the age of all my mentors and I'm like, at what age are they all kind of like burning out? Are the families flopping? Right. Financial, like everything. It was mainly try something at 30. And if you don't like what you're doing has changed, go back because you could always go back to touring as long as you're good at it by the time you're 30. So that was kind of my goal is work as hard as I can <clears throat> and learn as much as I can by 30 in the touring world. Right. Which eventually became being a tour manager. And I would, I went pretty hard into like the dance world and that was my last six years, seven years and, or yeah, about six, seven, maybe more. Um, but it was so hard and I didn't realize that until once again, parents, you don't realize how hard you're working and how many days you're gone. And because it goes by so quick yeah. and the, and the, I'll say the DJ world is different than the rock world, rock world. You do an album, you do an album cycle. So you tour, but then you have off time while the band makes an album. Yeah. So you know that you're going to have time off. In between Europe and Asia, you give a month off into the U.S. tour. So there's always time and period between everything. Yeah, that's but the dance kind world, of built in. It's it was go 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 go. I mean, New Year's into usually you have December into January off, but you didn't, and so it was like a whole new thing to where like if I wanted to, I'd be gone all year. Yeah. Um, didn't Skrillex like that first year he blew up, he played like 300 shows yeah, I or mean, something like yeah, that. I, I, like, I think that. Steve, I think Steve Aoki still holds the record for the most shows in a year or something like that. Like actually has a Guinness world record yeah. of the, the most amount of shows, whether it's in a month or a year, but it really is crazy because you can, even if you're doing a full production show, which if anyone actually is listening understands that I'm talking about like trucking in gear and building out a show that's yours at a festival, a DJ literally can do that. And then it's like, 
all right, get in the SUV, straight to the airport, get on jet, we're doing a nightclub. Yeah. Can't do that with a band because then that would be moving your whole crew, moving another production, but then there's a whole other team there. Yeah. And we've done multiple production shows into a nightclub and that's like the crazy part of it. And you don't realize you're running on adrenaline at that point because you're still catching up from the other 200 days that you're trucking along. So I hit a wall um, on my 30th birthday. I hit a, a, I'll hit, I'll say I hit a great moment of my life to where a turning point, a turning point, but it was, it was crazy because it was like all my goals kind of hit at once and I turned 30 and when I turned 30, I was like, Oh shit, I'm where I want to be. And it was weird because it happened on my 30th birthday where I was at that moment. And I was surrounded by such a great family of artists and the artists I was currently with. Um, it, it was just, everything felt so good. But then I think I kind of self sabotaged myself right. in a way. And I, I beat myself up for it and I'll, I'll admit that, but um, I guess you kind of question your making changes, but I push myself to be like, this is what I said is at 30, I need to at least try something different. Right. So I tried to transition out and just tour halftime and, that artist didn't want me to tour half time. They wanted me to, you know, let's sign another two year contract. I'm like, Oh shit. In my gut, I knew it's not right. Yeah. And something felt wrong and it really was, I was burnt out. And that, that was kind of, I think when you stop and you tell yourself like you need a break, the, the, you love what you do so much that you're like, no, but I want to keep going. Yeah. But mentally there was something that was, telling me no don't do this and for once i actually listened to myself like go home but <laughs> i went home and i took an interview and went straight into a management role right i was like i want to do day-to-day management i want to go into this i want to try it because i'm all i don't like to stop right i mean i don't know about but you know the feeling i'm talking about is like you like to have that constant momentum yeah I know for me is if I don't have anything going on, yeah. I feel super depressed. Right. Like if, if I don't have like something to be working on or, or something to make progress on, I just feel miserable. Well, I think it's you know? fulfillment in your life. Yeah. And and that can go with everyone, you know, what, what makes you happy? What's success? Right. You know, what's, what's the golden rule of life? Right. Everyone's going to give you a different answer, but I think what I've found through all the I mean, I've gone through the depression side of it and I'll, I'll say this past, I stopped touring. What year are we in? 19? <laughs> yeah. August, 2019. <laughs> I'm already thinking 20. Um, yeah. as, as long as it's felt that I've been off the road, like I've still done some stuff here and there. Like I'll still consult and go out. Um, it's only been a year and we're in August. I mean, it's only been a year and like three months right? that I've actually been like home. like home right? to where I can pick and choose if I want to go on tour for a weekend or a one-off or for a week. Um, but I took a management role and I was working in an office, but I'll say like you're saying like being home right. and not doing anything. 
I would keep myself active to keep myself like going. So I wasn't thinking because I haven't had, I, I'm, I'm good now and I, and I get better with it every day. But those first couple months that I was home into like, I would say the hardest point was about six months. Right. I was losing my mind. Yeah. Cause it felt like Groundhog's Day. I was so used to like itineraries, getting on a flight. The The sense that I didn't have to fly somewhere within two weeks of being home was a weird adjustment as its own. Yeah. I hadn't had that for 13 years. Yeah. I was always used to like, well, I'm home, but I leave <laughs> in two days. Right. Sometimes 24 hours. Right. Or two weeks, but you're still thinking you you don't settle down in your head that two weeks is telling you enjoy this but don't settle down you still got you're still leaving so this isn't home this is just a little bit of time off so you're not adjusting yeah so this past year it's not like it, a lifestyle change no so this know? past year really was but i i i completely know what you're saying and the depression side of it yeah it it hits you so hard like because you're you're one with your thoughts i think that's the hardest thing for anyone is being alone with your thoughts and if you've ever been on the road yeah you have a lot of fucking thoughts <laughs> but you start thinking like crazy shit i mean it's uh it's not a happy place to be right there's a lot of dark thoughts in your head I mean, you come home to LA, LA itself is a lonely city unless you have great friends. You come home from tour and you don't have the assets that you used to of the clout of the artists and it really shows who your friends are. Yeah, or like the built-in, cause like also too, if you have an off day when you're on tour, you're gonna hang out with the people that you work with. Like you're gonna go out and walk around in the city. Yeah, you have something to do. And, yeah or you have shows to do like you're always around a family yeah you're with those people night and day but you come back and you're in a a city and you know that you're here now it's like who are my friends do i have hobbies holy shit i've never had time to <laughs> yeah like i had to remember like just try and almost refigure out who i am right as a person right and it sounds really weird, but I've been spending X amount of time doing my, living my life on someone else's schedule. Yeah. And fulfilling all their needs. Yeah. So you lose touch with who you are. So I think you become so depressed because you're like, wait, who am I? And I, I remember the first night I actually sat and like tried to watch Netflix. I felt uncomfortable being like, this isn't okay. Not like what I was watching. I mean, it was just the fact of I'm sitting on the couch. Like I had my office job. Like, look, I was working at a great management company. Awesome team. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to learn. I mean, that's the biggest thing I'll tell anyone never stop learning. It's something my mom always said. And I think it's just a rule of thumb. It's one of those like, you shut up, whatever, you know, yeah. one of those rules that you're going to, when you get older, you're going to wish like you constantly learn, whether it's, we were talking about medium. 
Yeah. That site. Great site. Great articles. Uh, I know a lot of people on like Reddit, but yeah. reading, even if it's just five, if you don't like to read, find something interesting and read five, 10 minutes a day. You don't need to read a lot. It could honestly just be titles of little articles, but it keeps your mind curious yeah. of what's going on. But yeah, I was at a management company. So to transition out, yeah, went from touring into management straight into it. And I was like, this is the best thing for me to do. But I found myself at night trying to fill my mind with things, but also having the conflict of, is it okay to be home right now? Right. And just watch TV. Wait, I should text my friends right, right now. They're on tour or how do you be uh, it's home? Eight, yeah. How do <laughs> how I do be you, home? How do I mean, you do I mean, that? I, luckily I can do my own laundry. Right. I know how to cook. Like there's certain things, but yeah, the first six months were the weirdest. This is the longest time I've been home since I was 17. That's so wild. You know, and I still don't really like to go out. I love to have coffee with friends, but I think that's what you figure out is you kind of rediscover in a cool way what matters to you. Right. Which is the biggest blessing. Have you picked I've, up any hobbies? Um, Besides coffee. I mean, coffee can be a hobby. I guess it is. I think I've... <laughs> I I don't think I've I've picked up hobbies like look I used to shoot photography, um, which is funny because like if I carry around my camera, my friends are like, "Where'd you get that?" Right, and I'm like, "Well, I used to shoot photography. Like I just ne it's the same. I used to be a drummer. Right. Let's forget like have you ever played Have you played drums? I haven't played drums since I was twenty. Wow, like you twenty one sat down on a kit. No. That is the weirdest thing. Like I'll walk up to a kit and be like, oh, it's a nice kit. Sounds good or bad. Yeah. Like I can still look at it and be like, but the weirdest thing is like, I used to play day in, day out, nonstop from All 11 time. till I was 20. I mean, drum teching, we would have like band. Did, uh, did you ever have the crew band? Do you remember that? Yeah, there definitely yeah, so, be some. So if some the band, so for anyone that's listening, if a lot of, crew on tours they have they all have techs so you have guitar techs drum yeah. techs you have monitor engineers you have all these people behind the scene that make the band look sound they set yeah. up all the gear and the best is when you have the drum tech and the guitar techs when the guitar techs are good it's hilarious like some of the guitar techs out there and drummers to be fair are better than the musicians themselves yeah so while the band is off doing whatever, the crew will check all the gear. But it's great because you start these, you either play the artist's music to get the lines right, or you start a band. And that's the thing. It's like, I would always be like, with Three Doors, we'd just have like a little, you know, crew band. And it was just the funnest thing. Just so I always covers and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Or you would actually click the track. Right. And play the song without oh, the lyrics. Yeah. yeah, it was fun. Um, but yeah, I haven't touched a kit and it's like, that's what I'm talking about. You forget kind of who you were. Right. And my mom always brings it up. She's like, why don't you play drums again? I'm like, I don't really want to anymore. You know, right. I pick up a camera and I'm like, I don't know why I love this. Like, I know why I loved it, but I think 
what I've kind of grown to learn is about me is I love just people from being around the world and seeing food and all the stuff. It's, it's at a point where like now I'm like, where haven't I been? Right. And that's not to be cocky, but it's like, people are like, Oh, go on vacation. I'm like, where am I going to go? Where am I going to go? <laughs> like the last thing I want to do is go get on a plane for 14 hours. Like they're like, you ever been here? And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to, like I've been there. And at the end of the day, it's kind of weird because I love being home. Yeah. So it's like that, that weird, like, wait, you just said that you don't like being home. And it's like, but I do. Yeah. Cause it's safe or I, I don't know. It's a weird feeling. Yeah. I mean, uh, from growing up on the road, I'm a definite homebody. Like, yeah, there's nothing wrong I'm a with huge that. homebody now. And I think it's a factor. I think it's part of it is because I grew up on the road so much. Yeah. There's like a you know? weird, what would you say it is? Um, I mean, there are people I know that they come off the road and they are like right on their bikes. They are, I mean, they have like, I mean, if you have a family, change right. things, you have kids, of you have wife. Um, if you have a family, it makes things different. But when you come home and you don't have something that's keeping you going, right. I feel like a lot of my friends, they are homebodies until they have to go back on tour again. I mean, not to say that that's bad, but I don't think people realize how much mental stress there, there's, um, you have a lot of mental stress going on that you don't even realize. So when you come home, I used to come home and it would take me two days to kind of decompress. And I'd have friends hit me up and be like, dude, why don't we hang out? And I'm like, and you kind of just be home, but then you might yeah. at four in the afternoon text that one friend that like, I have my core group of friends and I would just text them randomly and be like, you want to go get food or go get coffee? And it's like, dude, I heard you went with da 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 to go get coffee yesterday. Like, I thought we were hanging out. And it's like, you kind of for a few days have to be in your own world. Right. And you don't want to have a schedule and you don't want to talk to people. Like you don't want to let anybody in. No. Unless you want to reach out. Exactly. You know? Yes. It's weird. Yeah. But you do that for year after year after year after year after year. You, it's weird what it does to you mentally when you stop and you have options. It, you, I don't know. It's, it, it's fucked up. Yeah. But yeah. So now what fills your time now? Um, well, I separated from the management group I was with in a completely mutual way. Right. And all respect to that team. Um, I won't say names for people who know me. They know where I came from. And it's, um, I'll say I learned a lot about myself there and it was a great opportunity for me to kind of go somewhere and meet new people and see a side of the industry that I thought I wanted to be part of. And I still love management, but I think it showed me a lot about who I am as a manager, artist development and right. what my strengths are, what my weaknesses are. Um, I, I found a lot about me being like a leader and I don't like being number one. I like being, I think you and I spoke about this, Yeah. but being a number two to a number one. Yeah. 
and it really showed there to where I'm like, come on, yeah, let's let's go, let's do this, great, yeah, you want to do something, great, you want help on something, great, right, but when it comes down to what do you think, I'm like, um, <laughs> anybody else in the room, yeah, like, Oh, you haven't, like, yeah, what about her? What, like, I like using, but I think that comes from touring. Yeah. So, I found a lot about myself. Um, and now with that transition, I'm just trying to work on helping people. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, so, it's been um, helping people with, like, artist development, I sit and have coffee with people endlessly. Yeah. Um, Cause I love to talk to people and help people where I can. I think that there is a emptiness in the industry for people to have someone that they can actually talk to and open up to without using it against them. Right. Cause a lot of people are like, Oh, what's going on? And then everybody knows about it. I have to say in all like confidence of who I am, I love opening my door to people and being like, let's go get coffee. Like what's wrong with that? And I don't, because everyone's going through everything yeah. at all times. And it's like, I go through shit, but until like we have, until we talk about it, it just sits there. So I've been spending a hell of a lot of time hanging with people, having coffee and just helping, just helping people. Yeah. That's what I fill my time with. Um, and I love it. Reading, like I've just reading's great. Reading's awesome. Um, what are you reading? I'm I've been on Medium. Okay, and I'm really getting into Reddit because um, can't think of who was explaining to me, but the algorithm or the way that Reddit works, it's not based upon what's trending. Like Twitter trends in. Um, I think I was talking to Anton about this. Okay. Cause he's on Reddit all the time and we're both saying how much we hate Twitter. No offense to Twitter. Look, if you're on Twitter, yeah. great. Awesome. I have nothing against it, but even the people on Twitter hate Twitter. <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> the people who hate things typically like it. They just like to jump on board, right? <laughs> which is the problem with Twitter. Yeah. The most trending thing is usually the most offensive or most aggressive thing. Right. Um, or that's going to capture attention. And that's what pops up first. So when you type in Aubrey Wright or you know anything, any artist, anything like that, yeah. it's so, it pops up the most controversial thing first. Pretty so much. that's what's trending about that person. Yeah. Um, unless they pin it, you know, and it's actually their profile. But the first thing that pops up when you search is what's trending about that person or that topic. That topic, yeah. So you're not looking directly at their profile. And then it, he was like, uh, yeah, you know how Reddit works is it trends based upon um, the good of the article. Like yeah. it's based upon the good nature of it, that people like it. So it's a positive review puts it to the top. And so that's where I'm trying to like get my hashtags down and like kind of find my forums and, and find your subreddit. Yeah. And it's, I love the community of it. And we were just talking about that. Yeah. Um, there's a coffee subreddit. Oh, I gotta get on that. Well, I use Flipboard a lot. Okay. So it's really funny. Cause a lot of, I'm in multiple iMessage groups Yeah. with, it's been like bachelor parties, but then the subject 
changes into just great groups of friends. Yeah. And it's funny because each of them has like a different, so there's touring groups I was telling you about. Um, there was a bachelor party that's just a bunch of like our punk rock friends that grew up together. And now that's just a group that we're all now talking, which yeah. is great. Cause it's like, I haven't talked to them in years and now we talk every couple days, but anytime I find an article that I think fits one of those groups, whether it's touring family, anything, send it that way. I send it. Yeah. And it's like, some of them will be like, stop sending this shit. Sometimes multiple times in a day. But I get so excited going into Flipboard and I have all my hashtags and everything that I'm following. There's, I love reading articles. So it's like most of my morning is reading or watching, you know, um, travel documentaries. Like I was a huge Anthony Bourdain fan. Okay. Um, but there's so much of that now. So many travel, whether it's like just traveling through Mexico, eating tacos or as much as it, people are like, you watch these food shows. I'm like, yeah, but there it's the culture of it. Yeah. Like when it's done right, they talk about the cities, they talk about the lifestyle, the food. And it's also fascinating. And it's like, fuck it. If I enjoy it and I'm learning from it, yeah. like I don't realize I'm learning from it till I go talk to someone like, Oh, you're going there. You got to do this, do that. And they're like, how do you know that? I'm like, Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was watching something the other day on Netflix, the NFL draft. Okay. They have this, they have um, a documentary about the draft. So it's, they follow a couple rookies. I think it's like, I would say, uh, six rookies. It's like the rookies to the draft or something like that. The road to the draft. Okay. And they follow them into the camp before the draft. I forget. It's like a pro camp. But it's crazy because they show how hard they're working out, which is intense. Yeah. Though I, I have to put it out there. Athletes who are pro athletes who are, you know, trying to be an NFL and all that. Take a look behind the scenes on how they work out. It is immense strain on their body. They do it to get to the NFL, you yeah. know, like these are college athletes that are like, and they, and there's not just these six guys, there's plenty more, but they focus on these six and they go from the journey of like the camp to them getting their suits to doing some interviews to then it comes to this moment where they're all sitting by their phones and it's like round one, you know, da 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 picks this and picks that. And there's some that, pop up within the first and you're like yeah but you look at the journey of all eyes are on this person yeah but then they're one of the last to get picked or there's some that don't get picked or it's so inspirational and so like watching stuff like that i love those documentaries yeah but yeah it's like but then i have something to talk about why not like i'm not into football did you watch the midterms documentary no what's that the one it's it followed AOC like Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, mm. uh, but it also followed a bunch of other women that were running for the midterms uh, last year. And on Netflix, on Netflix, okay. something it, uh, it's like Take Back the House or something like that. I forget the name of it, but it's absolutely insane. Like mm. you see, just like the entire process of like building an actual political campaign from grass, like which, grassroots level. Which it, it, I don't think you have to be into something to watch it. Yeah, I think that you can. There's so much 
I think if if you have a curious mind and you can like get into it, I don't I don't think that you can just go and be like, I'm gonna watch something on political or I can't watch the same stuff every day. That's why you have options. You're like, yeah. oh, I'm watching this and watching that. But I will say I watched something the other day. It wasn't the it was the one where it shows um how they use social media with um like you know your phones are hearing you with all the debate yeah i heard that one i it is so i mean i don't know if we can curse on here but it's fucked up it that we were watching it and i was kind of doing work and my friend was next to me and i got sucked into it right because i kept hearing things that were like did he just wait hold on let's rewind that like what no way i was like standing up looking at my tv holding my computer looking back on the couch being like are you watching this and he's looking at me like i put this on for you to watch (laughs) you know like and it was so funny because i was actually looking at i can't remember the name of the documentary but it basically goes into showing how they can go into your facebook and basically with your if i did a survey on facebook the fact that I did it opens me up to, it opens up the portal to all my friends, all those friends. So you could have taken a test and then it opens up all my information and they go in depth on using that into politics and all these voting systems and all the curation of what's on your phone. And it's like, it just makes you want to throw your phone out the window. Yeah. But we're so <laughs> attached to it. Well, it's just kind of like accepting it. Yeah. I guess it's just like this like, miserable acceptance <laughs> yeah you know but that's why it's like going on tour you don't focus on that shit so now that i'm home of course i'm like the conspiracy theorist oh my comes god out. yeah <laughs> i'm like did you hear about this and right. like dude we've been home right we see this every day and i'm like oh right 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 right, right. yeah welcome back to reality welcome back to reality and i'm like yeah i don't want to be around this, this is why i left i hate all this shit that's why all your your minds are fucked up but this is like my mom. This is all the shit she used to talk about is, hey, honey. It's like, hey, mom, what's up? Are you good? Yeah. And then it would go into, so this is going on in the news right now. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Stop. I don't want to hear about it. Especially too, there's probably a time. I mean, the 24 hour news cycle has been going on for a long time. But like, I feel like in the early 2000, mid 2000s, that's like when shit was popping off on 24 hour news cycles i feel like yeah terror alerts and stuff like that oh yeah well i mean we we always had to keep up on that type of stuff yeah it was always funny when we would uh watch news that was breaking on a flight i mean i remember when i would say the weirdest thing of being part of but not being home for but being surrounded by i mean mom and dad of the artist who are basically like my parents um the artist the whole team we're flying we're flying to dubai i think and (laughs) it was when trump was being elected oh wow and it was the the vote like the votes were coming in and everybody on that plane had their headsets on and were watching like that moment of decision and then the vote came in while I went to the bathroom. I remember taking my headphones off. And, I mean, everybody's TV was, 
I mean, from, you know, back in economy up to first, it was, I remember taking that walk to the bathroom. Everybody's TV was the same thing is, is this really going to happen? Right. And I remember going into the bathroom, going pee. And I remember when I came out, <laughs> everybody on that plane, I must've been like the only American because everybody on that plane looked at me and I just remember looking at the artist's dad and he, st- he stood up and he goes, it happened. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, then, no. and like gave me a hug and I'm like, holy shit. Cause he, I didn't think it was going to happen, no. you know, but it was one of those moments where I'm like on a plane of all places watching what's going to happen to my country, but I hadn't been home for like six months. So it's like, oh, that's when I can go home to. Great. And of course, when I land, my mom's like, been trying to call you. Did you see what happened? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, mom, I know what happened. I got to go. Yeah. And she's like, well, did you vote? And I'm just like, mom, I got to go. And she's like, well, how'd you hear about it if you were on a plane? And I'm like, mom. <laughs> she's like, well, dad's okay. I'm just sitting here reading the page. You know, it's being moms. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, the way that you find out news when you're on the road, that is Definitely. another thing. Um, a good friend of mine was in China. When that happened. Whole, well, he was in, because he was in the Peace Corps, and he left like a year before the election, and he was out of the country oh, he, for like another two years. So he uh, he watched the whole thing go down. Like from afar. Right. He's just been out, and he got back like six or eight months ago, I think. Oh, man. Yeah. Almost I mean, a year that, ago now. I, I mean, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. When you're gone life goes on yeah back home and that's i i probably talked about i think i did like i said it a little bit but that is probably the weirdest thing about being on tour or going away like i always tell people travel travel is probably the best thing you can do for yourself you not only figure out kind of a sense of what you like and don't like yeah you get a sense of if you like to travel, if you like planes, if you like hotels, if you like the beach, if you like a backpack trip, if you like motorcycles, if you like whatever type of food, what I, like, but when you come home, it really kind of opens the door of like, I don't like this anymore. Or I, I don't like that or what it, it opens your mind to like, life really does go on here. It does because your friends get married. People die. Um, divorces happen someone got a puppy like all this shit to where like oh my god so much is happening and it's like you're gone and all that can happen in a week i mean there's so especially as we get older too yeah i think 20s i mean i'm 31 but in your 20s i don't think you worry about it as much because you're trying to discover who you are you're you should be doing that in your 20s yeah i think how old are you now? 27. Dude, I mean, it's 27 was a good year. I had a big taco party at 27. Okay. Yeah, that was a good day. Good day. Yeah. Taco party in the backyard. That was fun. Um, yeah, I, I think that's something to just make a note on is I think in your 20s, you should absolutely try as much as you can and do as much as you can. Because I, as much as I might regret the time I lost, like, I don't regret it. Right. Because I've been everywhere I've ever wanted to go. I've done so many things to where I can actually say I've done that. To where I have friends who still haven't been to, like, New York. Right. That's wild. 
Yeah, it's so weird. I'm like, just go. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's easy for you to say. I'm like, tickets sometimes can be like 200 bucks. Like if you're really good at it, it's 200 bucks. And to be fair to some people, like I get that. Like, but if you really want to go somewhere, you'll do it. But it's a, from LA, it's a five hour, you know, four and a half, five hour flight. And, and I look at that like, oh, that's just like going to Vegas. You know, yeah. like it's short. But to some people, that's a very long journey. It's a whole event. It's a whole, gotta get the passport, gotta get the bags, right. gotta, what type of bag do I have? How many clothes do I have to where I literally, if I got a phone, if you were like, hey, let's just go tonight, I could just take a backpack. Good. Like, I'm good. Yeah. And I know that if I got there, and I, like if I had to go to New York and I just had to go like this, and I had to do, I mean, obviously I'd like to go home and just think about it. <laughs> but if it was like, we need to go to New York right now, I wouldn't be afraid of it. Yeah. I'd be like, fuck, I wish I could have gone home. But then my mind starts thinking, all right, what are we doing when we get there? Are we just taking an Uber into the city? Cool. Are we staying at a friend's house? Are we staying at a hotel? Cool. And then I start thinking what time it'll be there. How will I get closed? Do I really need clothes tonight? Okay, well, let's stop by H&M so I could at least get some you know, black Get shirts. Like, yeah, it's too. like, or what I've done before is I haven't had time. You could Postmates clothes. And it's like, I've done that too, to where like getting to the hotel, I have, I've had that to where I didn't have time to go somewhere. I didn't so know you like, could Postmates clothes. Can you Postmates everything? I don't know if you could do it anymore, but there was a point to where I was like, I literally delivered, I had H&M deliver underwear, sock, like for a lot of the people. Um, it was American Apparel shirts, H and M underwear and socks. Um, because we had just gotten back from somewhere we had to like go straight to rehearsals. Like we don't have time to get bags. We literally had to leave bags at the airport. So I was like, "Look, I'm gonna make up for this." <laughs> it was one of those things where it's like you're in such a hurry. Yeah, everyone just needs to shower, put on fresh this and that. But everyone was like dirty and, but yeah, it was like H and M underwear and socks. Uh tons of American apparel, black, white, gray, you know, every color, but like one of every size for everybody. And, uh, did like a huge Walgreens order <laughs> of like toothbrush, toothpaste. So when we got there, it was one of those things I've like forgot that it had been delivered to the hotel. So everything was down in reception. So when everyone's checking in, it was like, Oh, we have something for you. And it was like this whole just cart full of shit. That's and awesome. I was like, all right, everyone grab what you need, <laughs> you know, but that's the thing. It's like for anyone that's like, Oh, I'm not ready to travel. It's so easy to travel now Yeah, to where, unless you're going to a really like rural place, it's, it's fun. Yeah. Especially I, if you're going to like any city, like any city. Yeah. You can find what you need. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? I mean, there are some parts of the world that are a little bit more tricky. Definitely. But, ask the locals in those positions. Like, I mean, there are so look, I've been to Africa and I'll say it's like, there are some parts of the world that you don't want to be at night. I mean, that's what, I mean, you could be in LA in the middle of the night right. in a bad place and you'll still get jumped. But there's some places where you really need to know, you can't just get on a plane and go, we're going here. What's the scariest place you've ever been? Scariest place. I would, I would say, Scary to me is feeling like I can't get home. Okay. And that sounds weird. Uh, 
I'll say two sides. <laughs> I'll say two sides of it. Um, we were in Beirut. I actually, I have three things I will say. So scary moment of what could happen would be Beirut. Um, we were setting up for a show and, uh, I was with Akon at the time and we would do some pretty crazy countries and we're in Beirut and, um, we were setting up the stage and in the background you could hear like, but like huge explosions. Yeah. Nothing normal to us. If, if you heard what I heard, you'd be like, the fuck is that so of course like i at like found someone locally because everyone was so calm but anyone on our crew was like looking at each other like what is are are you scared too because i'm fuck I, that was not right normal that's not fireworks that, what the fuck is that and then you felt another like you felt something as if it was getting closer and then uh i remember asking like one of the local crew guys what is that Oh, it's just a scud man. You know, it's just like fucking missiles going off. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's just scuds. It's fine. We're good. We're okay here. We're protected. And I'm like, what the fuck? And this was back in 2009 too. So it's like shit's still going on. I mean, you're dry. If you ever been to Beirut, you drive through the city that's been bombed and you're looking at full buildings blown in half as you're going through to your like you know your five the one five-star hotel and it's like where are we going and back it's changed a lot i've been back since beautiful city yeah but that's the thing it's like a lot can change in 10 years yeah but it's a beautiful city i mean it's a lot of these cities have had crazy things happen but they get rebuilt or they're nicer they change whatever but hearing that in the background that was a moment of what do I do? Yeah. And then you have a moment of, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening, which was in um, Jordan. We're in uh, Armand. Armand, Armand, Jordan. Um, <laughs> I remember just hearing this like, k -k 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 uh, but it was on metal. And we're, uh, nobody was really at the show yet. We were waiting for the artist to come. And I remember security grabbed me and like just basically pushing me to the ground. And we're there with uh, my production manager was there and a few of the other crew. And this was actually like, I think it was my first show with the artist at the time. And <laughs> so it was a great experience going to fucking Jordan. And uh, <laughs> I remember they opened the door and then it was one cop but it was like the guy that put me on the ground was like, it's okay, you can get up. And uh, I was like, what happened? And he's like, stupid kids. Kids were shooting AK-47s at the back door of the venue. This venue sat in like the goalie of like a hillside. Kids as fun were shooting at people. Like, and they were used to it. Right. Like whether they were shooting in the air and it was coming down and just hitting the building. But I have a picture somewhere and I remember I put it on Facebook. I had to take it down, but I remember putting it back up with like kind of like a whited, like it was like a blurred around the bullet hole, but there was a bullet hole in the fucking back door of the show. And I'm like, and everyone's okay with this. Are we still doing this show? What is going on? We good. Still going Show's on. still going on. <laughs> I'm like, 
what like that's so weird. so that's one of those moments so of so wild what the fuck are you kidding me this is wild um but i didn't the weirdest thing is i didn't feel scared because no one else around me was really panicking right which is the weirdest thing yeah it was like a guy put me to the ground to just be like just stay still yeah i didn't know really who he was but i trusted him to come to find out oh they're just shooting at the what are you kidding me yeah but i didn't like i'm going home fuck this shit it was like i kind of looked up to i was younger too so i was like is everyone leaving or what do we do we're hanging out we're oh we're staying we're staying okay (laughs) all right okay we're good (laughs) um i mean look all this was with with akon and i love the guy to death um so fascinating and this is where it goes into like i didn't know if i was going to make it home um and i will say he always made sure we got home and it's not like i'll say we went to we went to west africa a lot and we went there because he would go back to his villages and where he's from and he really gives back to the community he's a, a phenomenal uh human you know supplying freshwater uh, energy to all these places that don't have light and i don't think people realize until you go to a place like senegal um you land in lagos and that in itself is a trip you land there and it was just you didn't know if your bags were coming out i mean it was you look at the airport there's burnt planes on the side like just broken down things and it's like the airport only has two luggage carts it's so poor uh at the time i haven't been back um but (laughs) you're you're literally in another world right and then you get out and there's all i mean we're with we would travel with him so it was kind of wild to come out to this huge welcoming of people but we would have the government police and like guys with ak-47s and the amount of militant security we had was like where are we right but that was my first time going (laughs) we went another like three times and it was um we went into i think st louis um which is further south i think from senegal and we were doing a new year's eve show uh, (laughs) which uh we went ahead and we were in such a rural part that our hotel had skeleton keys and we ended up like kind of enjoying it it was kind of fun but i was also we would never travel walk anywhere in the village alone we always had a guide or a driver and security we always had security outside our doors with guns i mean it was we were protected but that said a lot about where we were and i don't think that the people were bad but you also don't know what can happen to you with kidnappings and you know i think the biggest sense of going to your question long story short to everyone um the feeling of when um my production manager at the time tj thompson he he um he passed away, but he was one of my mentors and he, uh, 
he walked by me with his limp. I mean, he he worked with Kiss. He worked with everybody. And um, such a great guy. And <laughs> he's one of those guys that when he gets scared, you know something's wrong. Right. And um, I remember he's like kind of limping by me. And uh, I'm like, you all right? And he's like, yeah. And he has this real thick accent. And he goes, son of a bitch. Someone stole my passport. And it was that feeling, I, f- I went, oh my God, and I remember, I, that was kind of the rule is you take your passport everywhere. Right. Because if you need to get out, you, gotta be able a, to you have go. your passport. You pretty forget, much have to go at any time. Forget your bag, yeah. forget everything. As long as you have your passport, you, you can get home. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can find an embassy. You can call somebody. You can figure out how to get money somehow to get home, but you can show that you are whether it's a German, whatever it was, I remember the feeling that he gave me when he said, I don't have my passport. Somebody took it out of my pocket while I was walking to the store. I thought to myself, where's my passport? And I felt it, but I kept feeling it, but I couldn't feel it. And I kept looking at it, but it felt like I never wanted to let it go. Right. And there was that sense of, that would be the scariest moment is feeling in a place like that to where if you got lost and you didn't have a passport, no one really speaks much English and you're really in like the most rural part, fresh water, like all that stuff. You can't, you feel so out of place that it's like, Oh my God, if I can't get home right now, like if I don't have my passport, it's the weirdest feeling. Yeah. That was probably the scariest feeling I've ever had. Like as weird as that is, fucking gunshots and all that stuff. We've had stages. It's like that stomach drop feeling. Yeah, the fact that you can't go home. Yeah. Like that you're gonna be captive somewhere. And it's not to say that it's a bad place, but it's so rural. I mean, you're looking at kids who are so poor that you might take a bite of the snicker bar and then leave half of it on the table and walk away and just be like, oh, I don't want the rest. Right. People will get hurt overtaking it because maybe an adult needs it more than they do. And like, you're not supposed to give food or give any money to any of the kids cause they'll get beat up for it. And it's like, or sometimes killed. And it's like, you're hearing this or you're going through cities that don't have light. We would drive through the middle of the night with places that didn't have light. And I don't know if you've ever been somewhere that doesn't have street lights or city lights. It is dark as fuck. The night when it's dark. Yeah. Is dark and it is scary. So the only thing you're seeing ahead of you is your headlights, especially too. Cause out there there's like no light pollution. No. So it's not like we were driving through diamond country. Like, that whole story of like, oh, you're going through, you know, uh, what is it, Blood Diamond territory? Yeah. We were driving through all these like grass, and all you can see is the grass was so high on the right and left of the car, and it was pitch black at night to where you couldn't see 20 feet ahead of you. It was literally just in the shitty van that we were in with all the crew, but we were being escorted at one point. Um, and it was when we got into that area. It was like the driver slowed down. I'm like, why are we stopping? Why are we stopping? He's like, it's cool. We're getting a, we're getting an escort through this next part. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. Keep going. Keep going. Because <laughs> when he stopped, you know, and most of the crew got out to go smoke or go pee, 
I stayed in that van. I'm like, I'm nope. I'm good. This is a setup. This is a fucking setup, you know. But it's crazy when you're driving then, yeah, with two military vehicles ahead of you and two behind you, and me being curious of like, why do they do that? Why do we have so many people? Like, are we in a bad area? Is it to see ahead or is it roadblocks? Like, and you know, our guide was telling us, he's like, well, the first car drives through the fake roadblock if there is one because they'll set up fake roadblocks to rob people or right. kidnap people if if someone of stature goes through they'll kidnap them i mean this is just what i was hearing whether it's true or not but it does sound believable based upon what it was and he's like the first car goes through the roadblock so that's basically your first hit the next guy will hit so the next car will hit into that one to kind of clear him through and then you come through with your van into them. And if you don't get through, the other two cars behind you basically ram you through so you can get through. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> like, So that's the plan. That's what we're doing. <laughs> Great. Okay. Great. So the whole time we were driving, I'm thinking, I don't want that to happen, but I'm like kind of curious, like, where's that roadblock? Like, right. let's do it. Let's go, you know? <laughs> but it then... <laughs> the shit you do i mean this goes back to it's all life experiences yeah. it's like what do i want to do now dude i have so many stories that like you go through shit and so that's why like i'm home and i'm like that's so much excitement that might be someone's life story yeah that's just one percent of your 20s yeah <laughs> and that happened all the time i mean it, it that's the wild thing so yeah yeah, it's um, it's it's pretty crazy to kind of come out of that, and I think I think you think about it a lot. You're like, I want to go back to that, but there's a sacrifice that comes to that. Yeah, definitely. You're gone. Yeah, your life is someone else's life. Um, but it's fun. I don't want I don't want anyone listening to to be like, right. oh my god, what about management? What about look anything that you want to do in life you're going to do it if you really want to do it. Definitely. You're going to find a way. Yeah. Um, touring is hard as fuck. Management's hard as fuck. Everything that you want to be successful at is going to take hard work. If you want to be the best at it, you want to be great at it. It's a lot of work, but there's a reward to that. Whether it's money, it's freedom. I think at the end of it, you want, you want to be proud of something at the end of the day. Definitely. And that's, that to me is like what I try and tell, like we both talk to like college kids or I get coffee with, you know, someone will hit me up and be like, you know, I'm doing this transition to management, whatever. I'm like, just do you figure it out. Yeah. Whatever I do, I can give you guidance and help, but it comes down to you doing it. Yeah. And that's like the hardest thing for I think a lot of younger people to understand is just try it especially in your twenties. Yeah. Like if you, if you can do it, try it. And it's like the world now is just, everything's an option. Everyone can do it. But I was, I think that's kind of how I, you want to hear how my friend described how he hired. This is the best way that I can describe how I hire people or I can figure out if someone wants to do something. Uh -huh. I was talking to my friend, he owns a strip club in Vegas. Great fantastic um he 
I mean, we would go there for chicken fingers, chicken tenders. Um, and if anyone, if anyone knows me and knows what I'm talking about, they will know exactly what I'm talking about. Great chicken tenders. And they're probably like, yeah, I know what you're talking about because it truly is. We're not going in there for dances or anything. There's a little room or a little area to the side of the main room and it would be our hangout at night in Vegas when, you know, the clubs would be over. We would go there to go get food and hang with our friends. Right. Um, Cause it's music and it's like, you can people watch if you want. Obviously it's like, it's more funny to watch the guys hitting on the girls and getting played. Um, but it was really funny because I looked at him and go, how do you interview the girls that are on the polls? He goes, the fuck you mean? He's like, you think, he's like, you think I hire them? And I was like, well, yeah. Like, how do you trust them? Do they have a, you know, are they clean? Are they, you know, it's like, right. he goes, my first question is you don't want this job. And I'm like, that's not a question. He's like, exactly. He's like, I go, you don't want to be a stripper. And he's like, you pick out the ones who, when you tell them, no, this isn't for you. This isn't what you want. You shouldn't be doing this. Right. He's like, it's the ones who go, well, fuck you. I want to be one. He's like, are you sure? Cause I don't think you, he's like, there's those girls that are out there. That's they're all hustlers. Right. He's like, I want someone who's going to hustle for their money, who wants to work hard. And I started thinking about that with everything that is a hard career to do. I'll tell anyone, do not go out and be a tour manager. Don't go out and do this and that. <laughs> like, because it's hard. Yeah. And it's mentally draining. It's like I said, it's depressing. It's all these different things. But there is a great side to it. But I can't tell you if you're going to like it or not. Right. You have to go do that. Yeah. And you're going to do it whether I tell you to do it or not. And I've, I've seen kids come up, up and over me many times. And they'll be like, so I'm doing this now and this now. I'm like, that's great. Yeah. Your path is not my path. And if you really want to do something, go do it. Like, yeah. So, yeah. I think we're getting close to the close. Yeah. We're 70 I, minutes now. So I absolutely love hanging and chatting with you. Yeah. It's always good. Anytime. Um, congrats on everything, by the way. Thank you. Um, I, I mean, do you want me to plug for you? <laughs> I mean, I usually plug uh, after the episode. Well, look, I'm I'm gonna make some plugs right here. Uh, industry talks. Yeah, you do. Um, go ahead. Let, the, let's go. Plugs um, for me. Plugs plugs for the team. Um, <laughs> check out uh, industrytalks.com. Dot net. Dot net. Yeah. Um, we don't have the budget for dot com. <laughs> oh, come on. It'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, and then once a month, it's what? The third Tuesday of every month? Yes. We're doing a industry talk show. The industry talks show. Beautiful. Love it. Uh, proud of you for getting that now. Thank you. But much love to Kyle. Yeah. Of course. Love Kyle. Um, and that is third 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 tuesday of every month and i love it yeah you're loving it and now you're hosting it it's great it's live on wave yeah everyone check it out and so this is now september when you're listening yeah um make it a september to remember yeah <laughs> all right thanks <laughs> a lot Aubrey. all right thanks man yeah 
So although Aubrey did an absolutely amazing job at the sign-off, I just have a couple announcements to make before I let you guys go. I'm going to plug the survey again one more time. It is in the liner notes, and all respondents will be entered into a drawing for a $150 gift card from Guitar Center. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Bose Guitar Center and GT's Kombucha, and I'd also like to shout out the Industry Talks team, Kyle Emerson Brown, Danny Klein, and all of our amazing interns that make Industry Talks possible. Once again, I'm Roman Perry, and you can find me everywhere online under the handle at Roman Perry Music, and you can find the Industry Talks podcast everywhere quality podcasts are found. We would love for you to listen If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, we would love for you to give us a five-star rating. That goes a massive, massive way. Thanks for listening.